Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Well, folks, we wish we were coming to you with a little bit of a better outcome for Syracuse basketball, but the season is officially over. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Harrison Singer breaking it all down for you. We'll break down the Baylor game that went down on Thursday night. We'll look at the season as a whole, and then we'll throw in a little bit of football. Pro Day earlier this week for Syracuse football went well for a couple of guys, so that'll be a positive way to end the show for us. And, of course, we'll have Fizz feedback. But, Harrison, a really tough loss for Syracuse in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They were the eight seed out west in Salt Lake City, and they followed a Baylor in the first round on Thursday night. And really, this is just a, a frustrating game that ends a very frustrating season for Syracuse. I couldn't have said it any better myself, honestly. I mean, and and the way it ended, you know, it was a game that they stayed in. It was a game that going into it, everyone thought they'd, or most people, at least in this area, thought they'd come out on top. And oh, it's just so frustrating to see just before the game, you're starting point guards suspended and... You know, it kind of, the, the luck was kind of not in their favor from the very onset. 78-69, the final against Baylor. And really, this is this game to me felt very reminiscent to some degree of the Virginia game earlier in the season. And it was just a game where it, it felt like Syracuse was playing all right defense. They weren't playing the worst defense they played all season, but they certainly uh, weren't playing the best defense they played all season either. But Baylor was just lights out from distance it seemed like they ended up going 16 of 34 from beyond the arc that's about 47 percent not as good as Virginia shot it in that one game in the Carrier Dome they shot around like 70 yeah. percent but especially in the early going Makai Mason Mario Kegler Jared Butler they were just firing on all cylinders they couldn't miss and that's what the zone will do to you that's the zone forces you to take three-point shots. That's what Jim Beheim and Syracuse want to do. They're the best two-point field goal defense in the country, but they give up a ton of threes, and when teams hit at a high clip, like 47%, that's when you start to run into problems. Absolutely. I mean, you saw Baylor generating good looks, especially on the wing. I know, I, at least to me, you know, what I saw, a lot of good down-low passing from Baylor. Their bigs, you know, Mark Vital was able to kind of you know, he had a, threw a few no looks in there, and it set up these guys on the wing. It gave them good looks. He, the guy had four assists, and he was playing in the paint for almost the entire game. It's just something that will help you generate great looks against the zone. It's something Baylor enjoyed on Thursday. And, you know, again, like you were talking about in that game, Virginia, it kind of gave Syracuse this helpless feeling of, okay, you know, we're doing our thing. We're in our zone. It's not like we're doing anything exceptionally wrong, but our opponent just keeps knocking down these threes. Triples, triples everywhere. Makai Mason, the Yale transfer, we knew that he was going to be the big guy for Baylor coming into the game, and he certainly was the guy. 22 points in 35 minutes. He shot 4 of 10 from beyond the arc, but he also got inside. Excellent passing in the second half from him. He really hurt Syracuse, but I think the biggest thing that hurt Syracuse defensively, yes, Baylor passed the ball incredibly well. Yes, Mark Vital was, well, vital in the middle of that 2-3 zone. Yeah. He passed the ball very well, and he was great out of the high post, which is one of those quote-unquote weak spots that we always talk about for the zone. 
But I think the biggest thing was a lack of communication between Tyus and Buddy on on the night. And and that's where I think the uh, the Frank Howard suspension really hurt Syracuse. Offensively, I didn't think that the offense looked that much worse or that much different without Frank on the floor. It was still stagnant, but it's always like that. That's just become a fact of life at this point is the ball doesn't so. move very much yeah. in the Syracuse offense. But defensively, a lot of the a lot of talk was that from Steve Lapis, the uh, the uh, color uh, commentator on True TV, was that they didn't look like they were playing on a string at the top of the two three right. zone. And when the zone is playing at its best, it's like the two guards are on a string and they're moving and they're moving. A lot of times, over rotation, lack of communication, going out too far. Then the ball gets inside. Then it comes back outside, and it's a wide open triple in the yeah. short corner. I just think the communication wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, you saw, and when that when that communication lacks it, it completely makes you adept to those open looks that you know Baylor's going to be able to carve through you if they're if they're you know passing adequately and if there's not communication if there's not if, if all five guys aren't doing exactly what they're supposed to do you know things like that are going to happen and, and that's exactly what Syracuse saw and, and had to deal with on Thursday and sometimes you just run into a buzzsaw and I think that's what's partially what happened with Baylor I don't think Baylor is a great basketball team by any stretch of the imagination, but they played a good game. They knew they were going to have to shoot it well, and that's exactly what they did. They came in with 19 wins on the season. They went up to 20. Now they have one less loss than Syracuse. So really, at the end of the day, they and especially because they ended Syracuse's season, Baylor was the better basketball team. That's yeah. just kind of the fact of the matter on the night. And, and the impressive thing, I think, for Syracuse was the fact that they didn't get out-rebounded mm. by all that much in this game. Baylor had 31 total rebounds, Syracuse had 28, and Baylor is such a talented rebounding team, one of the best rebounding teams in the country, despite the fact that their tallest player is like 6'9", I think. Right. But Syracuse did a pretty good job on the board, so if you want to take away a positive from this game, I think it would be that. I think if you look you know, down the line at, at almost every category, and especially at least most categories, you're talking about two teams on Thursday that played, I think, a very similar game. I think Baylor just walked out on top because they played that game a bit better than Syracuse in the sense that they made more of their threes. I mean, both in terms of opportunities, both teams took literally Baylor took one more field goal attempt than Syracuse. Baylor was Syracuse out rebounded Baylor, yeah, or was out rebounded by Baylor, yeah, but only by three rebounds, and they still out rebounded them on the offensive end. You know, three point percentage. Syracuse still shot forty one percent. It's not it's not ugly. But Baylor shot slightly better, 47%. And it was kind of this back-and-forth three-point barrage that ended with Baylor just making more of their threes. And evidently, it was enough to you know get them walking out on top. And that's not the kind of game you want to see uh, for Syracuse because this is not a team equipped to get into a three-point shootout. Absolutely shoot not. They've got two-and-a-half good three-point shooters on the team. Uh, and I say half would be Tyus, and then the two really good three-point shooters are Elijah Hughes and Buddy Beheim. and Buddy was not good last night. Buddy nope. didn't have it last night. That's nope. just the fact of the matter. Sometimes you don't have it. He, he was great all season, especially in the ACC. He shot 41% from three in the ACC. That's a really good number, especially as a freshman, especially shooting with the sight lines in the dome. That's a great number, but he just didn't have it last night. Steph Curry doesn't have it in every game. And sometimes you just don't have it. Steph has a, 
almost in every game, and Buddy maybe not on the same level <laughs> as Steph. That's not the that's not the point I'm trying to make. But he just didn't didn't have it last night. And let's go back to uh, you know the big news of the week was that Frank Howard suspended for an, a violation of athletic department policy. That still hasn't been released as to what exactly that violation is. But either way, he did not play against Baylor on Thursday night. And honestly, I, like I said, I really don't think that there was too much of an offensive drop-off with without Frank in the game. Maybe he's an, another pretty good three-point shooter, so if you had had him, maybe you wouldn't have had to rely so much on Buddy if he was not having the night that – or he if, if he was having the night that he had and was yeah. a little bit off. But offensively, I, I don't see how much better Syracuse would have been with Frank on the floor. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting point. It's definitely one that after a loss, a lot of fans are going to ask themselves. No question about it because, you know, when you don't have your starting point guard and you lose, especially a game that – a lot of people were expecting you to win. Okay, well, maybe it was the fact that Howard was out. But you know what? I, I like what you're saying there. I do. Because even though Howard's out, Buddy Beheim presumably should be able to pick up the slack from behind the three-point line. And you know, Tyus Battle should be able to help pick up the slack behind the three-point line. But, you know, if anything, I think where Syracuse was impacted the most by Howard's absence is that even though Tyus is the player that he is quality wise he's still filling in you know a lot of that slack at the one and he's out of position you know and that's you know that familiarity thing is probably what costs him more than the ability to actually step in and, and play well and we'll get to Tyus in a sec but one thing I want to bring up Jalen Carey is yes. a top 40 recruit right yes he's a freshman I get it he's missed time with injuries he's turned the ball over a little bit more than you'd like but the dude put up 26 at Madison Square Garden Absolutely. against UConn. The night after, he put up 14 against Oregon, another a, a tournament team, and a pretty good one at that, who at that time had Bull Bull. And if they had Bull Bull the whole season, they would have been a lock into the tournament rather than slipping in at, as a bid stealer out of the Pac-12. Why is he only playing three minutes when you don't have a true point guard? I feel like Beheim, honestly, just <laughs> I don't know if it's a personal vengeance against freshmen uh, obviously, that we've seen anomalies to that in the past, but there isn't an excuse in my in, in my opinion. I mean, it, at the very least, when Buddy's going 0 for six and and battle, you know, is is on and off. He took take just take, bring him in for a couple. He's minutes got fresh to legs. Take the pressure exactly. off of Tyus a little bit. Exactly. Let somebody else handle the ball. We all know that Tyus is better when he's off the ball. He's better when he can get downhill off the dribble. And being the point guard and having to facilitate doesn't afford you that kind of opportunity. I, I just don't really get it. Like uh, yeah. I under, I know Coach Beheim has said that he wasn't ready for the big-time minutes in the big-time moment. But why did you recruit him then if he's a top-40 recruit and you didn't think he could help you right. in March? And you know what it also – it does a disservice here too because going into next season, you know – Kerry's got to be thinking like, you know, I'm supposed to be a guy, at least going into the start of last year, I was supposed to be a guy that makes an impact for this team. And now I didn't. I played three minutes in our team's tournament game that, to close out our season. What's my outlook going into next season? How does the coach think of me going into next year? If we're in the same position next time around, am I getting into this game? Am I starting this game? Valid questions for, you know, for a guy to be asking himself right now. And I guess the biggest hope – that that I would have for Jalen is to look at uh, a guy like Trevor Cooney. Yeah, did not play much his freshman season, but went on to have a four year career 
you know, a four-plus-year career that was really good. And he ended up being a contributor and a key member of a Final Four team Absolutely. back in the day. So I, th- I, their talent is there. And, you know, I, I, I place my trust in Jim Beheim. He's been doing this for 40-some-odd years. He knows what he's doing. I'm just saying, in this specific situation, listen, if Frank's in this game, I'm not questioning three minutes for Jalen Carey. Right. I'm jumping for joy if right. Jalen Carey plays three minutes with Frank in the game. Right. But the fact that you don't have a ball handler and you're putting all this pressure on Tyus, your best player, your best scorer, your best threat on offense, you're putting so much pressure on him to bring the ball up and be the facilitator and really not be the player he is supposed to be, you got to use your reserves at least a little bit. Give him 10 minutes. Like, 10 minutes in the grand scheme of things is not very much. And I don't think last night when, when Jalen was in the game that he made any egregious mistakes, at least that I saw from, from just watching the game from uh, you know a viewer's perspective, not from a coach's perspective and an intricate perspective. But it, it didn't seem like he, he made all that many mistakes. And the dude only averaged six, six minutes a game in 10 games this season. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, he's going to be your starting point guard yeah. next year. Instill a little bit of confidence in right. him and get him going. Because I really do think he is a special player. He is very quick off the dribble. He has lightning speed. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. He probably needs to improve that a little bit to be a point guard you know, at this level or even the next level. But just instill a little bit of a confidence in him and get him going in a direction where he is the future at the one spot. Especially because I don't think Ty's battle's coming back. We'll get to that uh, in the next segment after a quick after a quick break. I don't think he's coming back. And then you've got Bryson Goodine, who I think is a superstar coming in, and, and Joe Girard coming in at the guard spot. But Jalen Carey is going to be your most experienced guard player next season. Right, and he's I, only got ten games under his belt. Absolutely, that is a, it's a red flag, and that goes back to what I was saying when your starting point guard is out, when Howard isn't playing, and you're you know, very potential starting point guard for next season is sitting there on the bench. He's left wondering what's go like what's going on. How much confidence does coach actually have in me? And that's not something you want. Absolutely it's not something you want. The the whole time that was going on, like you were saying, battles playing out of position and stuff, you're you're watching him, you know, take his usual, you know, fifteen or so shot attempts, which he did. But a lot of the shots he was taking and when Syracuse gets into these funks, it, 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 it so so often are these kind of shots he's taking. They're inefficient, low-quality looks. You know, he took seven threes. He averaged four throughout the whole year. So, you know, that's, you know, a considerable uptick above his season average. And, and, you know, Buddy's going 0 for 4 from beyond the arc. And, you know, Hughes is forced to take 11 threes. But thank God they did have Hughes to pick up a lot of Boy, he was good last night. Yeah. I would just like to make one correction. Uh, Jalen played 10 games in conference, averaged six minutes per game in conference. So in those big ACC moments, which are moments he's going to be in next season, he didn't play very much on the season, 25 games with 12 minutes per game. But, you know, I think Tyus last, or, you know, on Thursday just wasn't aggressive enough. That's something that we know from Tyus great off the dribble, attacks the basket, gets to the free throw line. He was fourth in the ACC in free throw attempts this season. He he averaged nearly six a game on the year. He took one free yeah. throw yeah. last night. That's what happens when you don't have a true point guard in the game, and that's what happens when he takes the threes is because his legs, you know, being a point guard, you're probably moving more than anybody, any other player on the floor. Yeah. And his legs weren't there, and his aggressiveness wasn't there. But I just do want to give a shout-out to Elijah Hughes because he was really, I mean really, 
good last night. He got knocked in the nose. He had a bloody nose. He still came up with an absolutely wonderful performance. Career high, 25 points, four re- or three rebounds, three assists, six of 11 from beyond the arc, plus 50%, more than 50% from beyond the arc. He's a special player. He's going to be huge for Syracuse's success next season as a or as a transfer coming in and having a couple of years of eligibility left. We'll talk about that next season and recap kind of the season that was for Syracuse basketball. I thought it was disappointing. Harrison, I think you kind of are all along the same lines. We'll get into why coming up on the other side. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, taking you up to the 10 o'clock hour. We thought in this segment we would be previewing a game and a matchup with Gonzaga, but after Thursday night and the loss to Baylor, it's time to look back at the season that was for Syracuse basketball, the 2018-19 season. And Harrison, this was a season that had so many expectations. You returned all five starters from a Sweet 16 run a season ago. You return Tyus Battle. He comes back and does not decide to go all the way to the NBA draft. He comes back. You've got O'Shea Brissett coming off a stellar freshman season. you got Frank Howard as a senior. you got a pretty good recruiting, recruiting class with Jalen Carey and Buddy Beheim. But all those high expectations fell very, very flat this season. Just another just pretty mediocre pedestrian season from Syracuse. Like, hey, yay, we're not large bid, but we're not actually all that good. Yeah, and it and what you're saying, the last thing you just said about being an at-large bid, this has became a new norm. And we were talking about it over break, how they're not gonna, they're probably not gonna win the ACC anytime soon with just how many elite teams there ACC's are. ACC's just so good. I, it's 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 ridiculous. It's it is ridiculous. really good. I don't even know if in in their prime that Syracuse <laughs> right. was gonna win the ACC all that often because you know Duke and Carolina play in the ACC, right? And but. yeah, Virginia too, obviously. But yeah, and then the list goes on. But it's this season kind of just added on to a, new, a newly established precedent of getting these at-large bids. You know, whether it be a ten, an eleven, this time an eight, and you know, hoping for the best, seeing if we can make a run. And that is not the same recipe that this this established program was running on just. Five years ago, which was the last time they they entered the tournament as a top three seed, which was the old norm. It used to be one through four seed. Syracuse would make it at least to the Sweet 16. If Syracuse didn't make it to the Sweet 16, it was a disaster. The world was ending. Apocalypse now. Zombies were everywhere. Yeah. If Syracuse didn't make it to the Sweet 16. Now, the last two tournaments they've been in, Sweet 16s are celebrated. Oh, my gosh. They made it to the Sweet 16. What a run. Yeah. Just the perception and the aura around this program. And I don't think it's just that Syracuse is quote-unquote bad or quote-unquote down. I think a lot of other teams around them and a lot of other programs around them are becoming better and are becoming much more difficult to beat in the NCAA tournament, much more difficult to beat during the regular season. But there's just become, like you said, this new precedent has been set that Syracuse is not an elite level program anymore. No, not they're at all. not a consistent top fifteen, top twenty. We are going to challenge for our regular season and our conference tournament, conference title every single season. We are not going to get a five star in every single recruiting cycle. There was a stretch for I think it was almost nine or ten years where Syracuse had at least one five star in every single recruiting class. Mm-hmm. They have not had a five star in a long time. Tyus Battle. 
in terms of this crop of players that they have right now, is by far the most highly touted recruit that Syracuse has got in a long, long time. And I just think, number one, it's the fact that when your program is struggling and when your program is not winning, it's difficult to get it right back on the right tracks. That's why you see programs go through lulls. Is because when you're winning, it's difficult to recruit. And when it's difficult to recruit, it's difficult to win. And it's just this overarching, perpetuating cycle. But also, I just think it's the fact that teams around them and programs around them are improving. And it, it, it's just, it's a little frustrating. It's a little disappointing that, you know, you can't point to Syracuse being a top four seed anymore and saying, that's going to happen every season. I think that's why people, and you know, Fizz Nation included in general, are, are so frustrated because they were so used to that for so long, and that's just not the case anymore. No, it's not. And and you can kind of almost point the the change in, I guess success is the word you use. You can point to, I think, when Syracuse entered the ACC. I mean, in 2013, 2014, it was their first year. They had a good season. They went 28-6, and 14-4 and four in the conference. They were the number one team in the country at one point that year. But then after that, starting in 2014, 2015, 13 losses on the year, 14 losses on the year, 15 losses on the year, and now back-to-back years with 14 losses again. That's like, that's more than... That, that's, that adds up to a higher loss total than, since, like, the mid-2000s, since, like, 05, 06 season. Like, that's a long time, and, and that really like, – that's showing it's – te- it's telling about that change in the program dynamic. And they're going to get a lot more guys that, you know, come probably with a few less NBA aspirations and guys that end up – coming and being fan favorites, four-year players, guys that, you know, stick around and truly become student athletes. And and that's kind of the, the shift that we're seeing. And hopefully, hopefully they can adapt and kind of turn that into, you know, like a Villanova type or a Gonzaga type where guys stick around and, you know, gain experience and are able to succeed with that experience as they learn how to adapt to the college game from high school over time. And I will say, I really do like this incoming freshman class that's coming up here, right. uh, you know, for the fall. I love Bryson Godin. I think he is a sleeper in this class. Super athletic, great bounce, great three-point shooter. Joe Girard, we all know right. that. He's averaging like 50 points a game And in he's high also going to probably be a good four-year player, you exactly. would presume. So. He's a great shooter. Then you got Quincy Guerriere up from Canada. He's pretty much O'Shea Brissett 2.0, except I think he might probably be a little bit further along than O'Shea was as a freshman. And then you got John Bolajac, who's just going to be a great piece to, uh, you know, just fortify that middle of the zone kind of area. He could even play some four. And maybe if Syracuse wants to go big, they play him, Barama Sidibe, Robert Braswell, some combination of those three at the same time. Yeah. Then you go big, which Syracuse has not had the opportunity to do in quite some time. But I, I will say that the sheen and the luster of this program I think has gone down considerably over the last couple of seasons. Uh, But let's look to this season specifically and maybe what went wrong for Syracuse basketball. And I think the biggest thing, and Gil Gross wrote a great article, uh, you can find it at uh, orangefizz.net, you know, guys just didn't take steps forward this season. It was either they stayed stagnant or they regressed from what they did a season ago. I think the biggest example of that is O'Shea Brissett. He was, you know, not highly touted coming out of high school. 
He's a Canadian, so they're, uh, you know, when you're not from the United States and you don't have the AAU camps and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. all, all this exposure, you're going to be a little bit less highly touted. I thought O'Shea Brissett uh, was really, really good uh, last season. I thought he was going to be a sleeper, and he ended up being a sleeper. He had a absolutely fantastic freshman season. He was great for Syracuse in the tournament. He did so many things well. He was an effective three-point shooter. He was your best percentage-wise three-point shooter on the team. He was great off the dribble, got to the ball, got the ball to the bucket, got to the free throw line, knocked down free throws. He he had played himself into a spot where we were questioning, oh my God, is he gonna be one and done? Like, is he gonna be, as Tyler Aki likes to put it, a Malik candidate? Is he gonna be a guy that like Malachi Richardson, that's where Malik right. candidate comes from. Is he gonna be a, a guy like Malachi Richardson who plays well in the tournament? And then, you know, all of a sudden he's off to the NBA. We were questioning that because he had such a good freshman season. And then everything, it seemed like, took a step back from him for, from, for him this year. His free throw shooting was m- not good. No, it wasn't. Not good at all this year. Much, much down from a year ago. Inconsistent three-point shooter. He just looked a little bit more hesitant at times. Not quite as aggressive off the dribble as he was a season ago. Yeah, you know, another thing about him, however, is he still led the team in rebounds, I believe, rebounding. He did. Which, you know, there are areas where, you know, you would have liked to see him come back and improve upon. However, the fact that you're you're starting three is consistently in back-to-back years leading your team in rebounds means that there's improvements also to be made. Guys who are coming back that you're hoping also can improve down low. You know, I don't want to single anyone out, but, you know, Anyone that they were pretty much Syracuse was throwing down low wasn't also they also weren't taking a step forward this year. I, Marek Dolajai, very helpful player. I think he it will end up if he puts on weight. I was we were also talking about this before the show. I think that if he puts on weight, big if, but if he does, big if, yeah, this very, is a big very if, big folks. if. Yes, it is. But you know, if he can, he can help an NBA team. He's very maybe. fun, maybe. But you know, maybe. I think he's a very fundamentally sound player. I think he, he positions his body very well, both on the offensive rebounding side and on the defensive end as well. He's a guy you want on your team, you know, and. Yeah, he was good last year in his freshman year, turned a lot of heads, but there wasn't that giant leap forward into his sophomore year. Same thing when Pascal Chuku came back. So it's, you know, it, O'Shea Brissett, you were hoping for some improvements. So, you know, definitely better in the free throw shooting department. He ended up regressing in, in, in points per game average as well. But that's also a product of Elijah Hughes being in the yes. offense. He didn't get nearly as many touches. And I, I don't want to say that O'Shea's a bad player. I think he's a really, really talented player. It's just it was frustrating to watch him at times this season take that step back that we I thought he was gonna be great. Right. I thought he was gonna be, you know, a number two scoring option. He ended up being third, which I behind uh Tyus and Elijah, which maybe we should have seen coming. And O'Shea's still a really great player. He's going to be back next season. I really don't envision a world in which he goes to the NBA. I think he'll be back, and I think he has the opportunity to make a big jump next. You know what? I the thing that I I feel is if O'Shea's really just fallen um, by the wayside too is this this offense or lack of offense that they run at Syracuse because this is not a guy who thrives in an an isolation offense system. He's not a guy like Tyus who can take a college defender one on one and 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 score you know at a at a at a high clip. This is a guy that will take high percentage shots and make them. But when he's forced to not do that, when he's forced to jack up low percentage shots like a lot of these other guys 
are forced to do in, in the offense that they run, you're going to see him shoot under 40% in both seasons that he, you know, in college. You're going to see that happen where if he, if he were somewhere else and, you know, where he was getting higher quality looks and in a different offense, then maybe that changes. In terms of ceiling, I think Ty, or not Tyus, O'Shea, in terms of this year's team, has a very, very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. I think if he can tweak a couple of parts of his game, if he can finish a bit better near the basket, if he can fix his free throw shooting and get it back to what it was his freshman season, when the dude made 16 free throws in a row against Buffalo at sure. one point, yeah. if he can tweak those little things, he can be a really special player that can be a superstar and be the guy next season for Syracuse. Him and Elijah Hughes, I think, could be a very dangerous forward combo yeah. uh, for Syracuse next season in the absence of Tyus Battle because I don't know how you feel, Harrison, but I don't think there's a, a shot in anything that Tyus Battle's back next season. <laughs> That's just not a sore subject. Let's just, you Yeah, know. <laughs> moving on, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about Tyus really quickly because I think he, he took some steps up this season, became a much better passer. A much yeah. better facilitator. He had nine assists against Miami yeah. in the ACC, and, and you know that's a really good number. I think his shot selection took a little bit of a hit this year, and his free throw shooting went down a little bit from a season ago. And Jim Beheim mentioned it. You know, I wish nobody ever you know messed with his shot because all of a sudden he can't shoot the free throw. Yeah, Tyus will be fine. He is such an aggressive scorer. He is so good off the dribble. The pull up jumper is nasty. I mean, it is absolute filth. Yeah. He could make an impact at the G League level over the next couple of seasons and play his way onto an NBA roster yeah. and be some sort of contributor. There are guys like Tyus in the NBA that we didn't see coming. Did anybody see Spencer Dinwiddie coming? Not necessarily. Nobody saw Spencer Mm-mm. Dinwiddie coming from Colorado. Yeah. Nobody saw, you know, there, there are guys in the league that nobody saw coming and, uh, oh, they're a second-round pick. Malcolm Brogdon, heck, he was a second-round pick. Yes, he was like an ACC Player of the Year candidate. I think Tyus, in a year where you don't have Zion and RJ, is also an ACC Player of the Year kind of guy. So he has an opportunity to make a step at the next level. And then Frank Howard, I think, was the third guy that stagnant or took a step back, and really, he took a step back. A lot of that was injuries. A lot of that was not getting into the flow of the season. And then, of course, it's sad to see his Syracuse career one that was marked by that kind of freshman mentality that Jim Beheim has. Let's pull him when he makes a mistake his right. freshman year. Mm-hmm. He builds his way up to being the starting point guard senior year. And then whatever this violation might be, it, it, it's it's frustrating and upsetting to see his Syracuse career come to an end that way. But this season, I, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about what this team can be next year. Yeah, I, I am too. And, you know, you, you talk about Battle's outlook, you know, after his days at Syracuse, he's a really fascinating NBA prospect because you're looking at a guy on the offensive side who, like, you know, like I was kind of mentioning with O'Shea, was forced to take a lot of low percentage shots as a lack of offense that they run. I think that has really kind of pushed his draft stock down. You talk about the free throws, you're absolutely right about that. The team as a whole, though, kind of. I mean, they shot 68% from the line, and that's the whole team just needs to be better. Obviously, if you're the number one guy, like the Tyus Battle is, you're, you know, you're the one that's looked at to be better. But I also, I also want to talk, you know, about the defensive side of things. This battle's going to be coming out of Syracuse, so accustomed to be playing in this zone defense. That really screws with a lot of these, you know, these Syracuse players' draft stock and a lot and their adjustment, you know, when when they actually do get drafted to the NBA. So I think he has the athleticism and the you know, the length that work in his favor. Hopefully, he will be able to adapt. But you know, I do think he's always been an underrated passer as well. So when you talk about his his sheer ability with a little fine tuning, definitely viable that he helps an NBA squad. 
off the bench. And it would be great to see that. That would be a positive end to a relatively disappointing season for Syracuse basketball. But we're not going to end things negatively here. We both think that Syracuse, we're cautiously optimistic about what next year could be. But if we really want to end on a positive note for this show, let's talk a little bit of Syracuse football and do a little fizz feedback. Football on the other side, pro day for Syracuse earlier this week. Guess what? Eric Dungy showed out. We'll tell you how coming up on the other side. Basketball season officially over, but let's talk about the positives here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Harrison Singer. Pro day earlier this week for Syracuse football. Bunch of guys participated, but there were probably four big ones that everybody was looking forward to watching. Maybe five or six if you include Ryan Guthrie and Kylan Whitner. But Eric Dungy, Chris Slayton, Cody Conway, and Jamal Custis all participated in the pro day. Of course, Slayton and Custis were both invited to the NFL Combine, but let's start with Eric Dungy. He showed out in this pro day. 4-6-8, 40-yard dash. That would have been fifth among QBs at the Combine in 7.02 seconds on the three-cone drill, which tests your agility and your ability to change directions quickly. That would have been third among QBs. This is a guy that can make an impact at the next level, maybe not at quarterback or your traditional quarterback, but I think he could sneak his way onto maybe a practice squad. And people are saying that he's like a Taysom Hill kind of guy for the Saints. I like that comparison. I think I want to get Taysom Hill's measurables up, you know, his height and weight, because that'd be interesting to see that comparison. But with the ball in his hand, there is no doubt at the next level, Dungy can help a team in some capacity. I, I if one moment that stands out to me was when when Syracuse played BC this past season, and there were moments where you know he was off scoring touchdowns, running through people because he was simply just the biggest and fastest kid on the field, and that's a player who has the ability to help an NFL team, however may it, it may be. You know, a creative coach will find a creative way for him to help a team. Dungy checking in at six four two twenty seven. Taysom Hill is 6'2", 220, so Dungy's a little go. bit bigger, yeah. and that could actually be a benefit for him. And I don't want to call him Tim Tebow, but they have a <laughs> similar build. Uh, Tebow was a much better college shout, player. Shout out Syracuse Mets. But, yeah, could be, com- could be coming hmm. to Syracuse uh, this summer with the Mets organization now in town. But Dungy has an interesting football career ahead of him, I think. And also the AAF could be, you know, yeah. that could be a backup option for sure. at least a little bit. Then let's move on to Cody Conway. He's an, uh, an offensive lineman, a tackle. He played left tackle, very agile, very athletic. 7.273 cone drill. That would have been the number one time among offensive linemen if he had been invited to the combine. I thought he showed out, and I think in terms of future potential, Conway has an opportunity to maybe be a backup for a couple of years yeah. and then make an impact as a starter in the NFL. I really do think he's talented. Yeah, all, all it takes is a backup spot. In, you know, all... When you're battling in the trenches, you see guys go down every Sunday. So, you know, all he needs is a spot, you know, and then an ultimately potentially a chance after that. But I was a little bummed that he didn't get an invite to the Combine. I feel like this was a guy who could have shown out and could definitely help, you know, an NFL team. He's under 300 pounds, so, you know, he might need to bulk up a little bit. But he's definitely agile. He can definitely block, and he has blindside experience so there's no doubt that he can serve as say a backup right tackle you know for an NFL team best case scenario it almost seems to me that he's that kind of guy that you know he's the backup right tackle and then all of a sudden 
the left tackle gets hurt and the right tackle has to slide over to the sure. blind side. And then all of a sudden, Cody Conway is a starting right tackle in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Almost out of nowhere. And, you know, uh, guys from Syracuse have had success in terms of offensive linemen in the pros in the past. Who says Cody Conway uh, isn't the next one? Because he really is a good offensive lineman. And with the athleticism that he has and that ability to be agile and that ability, uh, you know, to get to the second level, that's an important opportunity. Also, I believe, a two-time All-ACC academic team selection. Smart guy. So he's a smart guy, and when you're you know, playing up front and you're, you are got to make reads, that comes in handy, and teams will notice that. You can understand different kinds of schemes and offenses. That's definitely uh, an opportunity for Cody Conway to make an impact. And then let's talk quickly, real quick, about the two guys that went to the combine, Chris Slayton and Jamal Custis. Custis is, uh, you know, 6'5", 220, but he ran a 4-5-40 at the Combine. Didn't run at the Pro Day because he ran at the Combine. But that kind of lateral straightaway speed, that's going to be an opportunity for him to possibly make an impact at the next level. And then Chris Slayton, Dino Babers has called him. He is a pro. He is a pro NFL football player for a long, long time. The D-tackle, he can make an impact as well. I think Chris Slayton will get an NFL job. I think he will, you know, whether hopefully he finds a team that, you know, brings him back year after year, but this will be a guy, regardless of you know if he's a mainstay or not, he's going to be in the league for I believe multiple years, and and he'll be an effective player up front. You need guys like that who do that dirty work for the you know inside for the guys on the end, um, and that's exactly what happened with Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson. A lot of their success, I really do think, mounted from Chris Slayton taking up a lot of that attention in the middle. Possibly one of the most underrated guys for Syracuse football in quite some time in terms of the impact he made. Might not have shown up in the stat sheet, but he certainly made an impact and made a lot of other guys' jobs a whole heck of a lot easier. All right, we're coming up on one last quick break. When we come back, it's time for Fizz Feedback. We'll have a little bit of Syracuse football Fizz Feedback, and we'll also have some Syracuse basketball Fizz Feedback. Have your voices heard. That's coming up on the other side on the Score 1260. Wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Harrison Singer. We've got you till the top of the hour, and we don't have much time left in the show, so let's go through a lightning round of Fizz feedback. We put out a couple of polls for you guys to get your voices heard. The first one, what's the likelihood Tyus Battle just played his last game for the Cuse and is headed to the NBA draft? Overwhelmingly, 71% of the vote. See ya. He's gone. I agree. Yeah, and the wise words of my favorite baseball announcer, Michael K. for the Yankees, see ya. He might be very well gone. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. He, there's not. He's going to graduate. He's done all he can. He is going to try to make an impact at the next level. Second, Fizz Feedback. Which Syracuse basketball player makes the biggest jump next season? We gave the options Buddy Bayheim, Jalen Carey, Marek Dolajai, or O'Shea Brissett with some question marks. That's only because we don't really know if O'Shea's coming back. I think he will. I think you think he will. I think he's still got some things to work on. But another overwhelming vote here, 53% of the vote going to Jalen Carey, and I agree. I think this kid is special. He is an excellent ball handler. He is fast. I think he can be a good defender. He's a little bit undersized in terms of the top of the zone, but he's still, what, 6'3"? That's your prototypical point guard size. I think he has an opportunity to be the starting point guard and be a good one next season for Syracuse. I absolutely agree. It'll be interesting to see what the addition of Joe Girard does to you know a few of these other guards, but I do see Jalen Carey certainly taking a step forward. And I'm going to be interested to see what all the freshman guards have to say about Jalen Carey in terms of Bryson Gadeen as well yeah. as Joe 
Girard. Finally, for wrapping things up here with a little bit of football, on a positive note, which Syracuse football player has the best chance of making an impact in the NFL? Options, Eric Dungy, Chris Slayton, Cody Conway, and Jamal Custis. And again, this one was a majority, 51% of the vote going the way of Chris Slayton. He's going to be an impact player. I really do think he'll make an NFL roster. You know, the demand for a guy like Chris Slayton is just much larger than it is for a guy like, say, Eric Dungy, who I would say is number two on this list because with the ball in his hand, there is just a very good chance he can help a team somewhere. But we'll see. I will say no love. Zero percent of the vote for, for yeah, Cody Conway. That hurts to see. That hurts. The hog mollies up front, they work their tails off so that guys like Eric Dungy Unsung can go heroes. ahead and look like the hero of Absolutely. the game and look like a superstar. I really do think Cody Conway could make a big impact for an NFL team. Ooh, right there. One vote for Cody Conway. Now coming up, coming in at 3% of the vote. Somewhere, somebody out there heard me loud and clear. All right, that'll just about do it. Do us for us here on Fizz Radio. For Harrison Singer, I'm J.D. Rachi. Syracuse falls in the NCAA tournament against Baylor. But Syracuse football shows out at the Pro Day. We'll have all your coverage on orangefizz.net. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>